Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey, what's up, y'all? Alan Kenny, host of Blayton Homers and Podcasts, part of Crimson Cream Machine on the SB Nation network of podcasts. Make sure to rate, review, subscribe wherever it is you get your podcasts. Hit, up with, hit us with one of those uh, five-star reviews if you can. Um, Bob Stoops is, uh, you know, in the middle of retirement now. He uh, seems to be kind of uh, living his best life. And uh, he talked with Jason Kersey about uh, what things have been like. So let's go ahead and welcome Jason on. He can uh, tell us a little bit more about what's been going on with OU's former coach, and then we'll talk a little bit about what's going on with the team. So, uh, Jason, how are you doing? Oh, anytime, man. So, your new story up on The Athletic. You were hanging with uh, Bob Stoops last week when he was at, uh, you know, out doing some stuff with his rock and roll tequila. Uh, how's, how's the coach doing? Well, he's great. I mean, I'll just tell you, I mean, so I, I'm sure like you and like a lot of OU fans, I have very much enjoyed his uh, his tweets from all these liquor stores, and he's been tweeting about rock and roll tequila. And I don't know, about three, four weeks ago, I, I just called him and said, hey, w- would you be okay if I like came to your next liquor store appearance? And I really wasn't sure what he's going to say, and it was just, okay, yeah, sure. And... uh so, I mean, I, I, I got there before him, and he walked in, and the first, first thing he said is, and I'm not going to try to do his voice because I don't do it very well, but he, he, he just said, you know, hey, Jason, you look better with a mask on, and started laughing. And it, it just made me realize, man, this guy really, really kind of is different. Like, I would have never had uh, imagined myself visiting a liquor store with Bob Stoops five or six years ago when uh, I was covering him and things were a little more contentious at (laughs) times. (laughs) It's so strange. He, to me, just even the, you know, the few times I've ever spoken with him, uh, he is, he, he was always so guarded and it felt like even when he was talking about his book, still uh you know he he just didn't really have the ability to kind of cut loose so uh it's it's funny that uh, that you mentioned that i mean you know it, has he always you feel been like that you know uh the ability to just kind of like switch his personas on and off i've gotten the impression from you know visiting with people uh his, some of his friends i i talked to carol his wife i talked to him maddie mcmillan who was his director of football ops and and still kind of his right hand man and um you know i i think this is always kind of who bob has been behind the scenes and to his friends and to the people close to him um i i, th- I think uh i think he's just putting that per- persona out there a little bit more now uh, he's a little bit more comfortable doing that now. I mean, 
And when you think about the stress, I mean, yes, the OU football coach makes a lot of money, and uh, that's that's totally true. Um, But they are under a tremendous amount of pressure, a tremendous amount of stress. You never know what what phone call you're going to get next. You never know what fire you're going to have to put out next. Um, And so I think that he's just. I think even three or four years later, uh, you know, it's taken him some time to sort of move past that phase of his life and then get used to not having that kind of stress, get used to not having uh, even the good side of football, the part that he loved, the the camaraderie and the, and all of that, that took him a while to get used to. And um, it's, it's kind of been a journey for him. Right now. How did he get involved with tequila? Yeah. Well, Kevin Fox is a, uh, is an OU booster. Um, and, uh, you know, has been a friend of Bob's for several years, and uh, he and, and a group of his friends bought this company, Rock and Roll Tequila. It was brought to them. It was kind of a uh, a new uh, tequila brand that maybe wasn't doing as well as people thought it should have been. So anyway, so they took it over and kind of saw an opportunity, and um, it comes in a guitar-shaped bottle. Um, and it's good. I've tried it. It's actually pretty good. Uh, and I'm not a huge tequila guy, but my wife and I made margaritas with it the other night and I can say that it's pretty good. Um, so, uh, yeah. And anyway, Kevin Fox, you know, was kind of looking for a way to promote the company a little bit more and Bob had just retired and, you know, it's a little bit harder for a college coach to promote an alcoholic drink. But, uh, but a, you know, a retired former coach slash XFL coach, that's no big deal. In fact, it's probably encouraged for, for an XFL coach. So, uh, so they asked him if he wanted to do it, and, and he said he did, and he's just having fun with it. He, he goes around, he's their pitch, he's their, you know, kind of pitch man. He goes around to these liquor stores and signs bottles. They've got his face all over their advertising, and, um, you know, that, that's going to work in Oklahoma probably. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess, you know, one of the things, uh, I mean, what's he, what's he like now in you know, kind of interacting with the fans? I mean, you were there for, for a day with him, I mean, you know, just, is he, you know, is he still a- approachable in that sense? Well, it's a little weird because right now it's just so oh, hard. Yeah. yeah. Very. Yeah. Cause of but, the COVID. Yeah. Yeah. So, for example, at this appearance that I went to uh, in Lawton, um, they didn't advertise that he was going to be there because of COVID. And so uh, there wasn't, you know, a massive crowd that you might have expected. Uh, however, you know, people talk, the employees there talk. And so um, there were a few people waiting when, when he walked in, uh, you know, and then he took some pictures with, with some employees. And I mean, he was great. I mean, he was friendly. He was, uh, he, he was into it. Um, I mean, the, the, he's having fun. He really is having fun. And that's why, you know, one thing I get into in the story, Alan, and, and you probably know how fired up I was about this, uh, from Twitter, but you know, um, I just, you know, the, the Florida state rumors and, and the USC rumors and all that kind of stuff like that stuff seemed silly to me at the time because it was so ridiculous. Uh, and it never made sense. And now having spent some time with Bob in that setting, it's even more ridiculous to me. Now he was not going to take the Florida state job. 
I mean, I, I still don't know how uh, – God, I'm getting a little bit off topic here. But I still don't know how that ABC affiliate has just moved on and, and pretended like they never reported that it was imminent. Yeah, you know, I have a, I have a hierarchy of uh, people who I listen to when it comes to those kinds of things. And I hate to slag off on radio guys, but radio guy is like my – and TV guy are like – my probably on the bottom of the bottom rung there when it comes to people I trust, but that's a topic for another time, I guess. But you know, um, the funny thing about that though is, you know, talking when I was talking with him about why he wanted to take that XFL job, he basically said, "Well, it's it's close to home, and uh, you know, they're paying me." Uh, you know, I mean, like it was just one of those things where it was such a kind of seemed like such a low pressure, low risk kind of situation for him. You know what I mean? It was perfect. It was, I mean, the XFL was exactly the sort of situation that could work for him. He, uh, like I said earlier, he doesn't have to deal with college kids. He doesn't have to deal with uh, midnight phone calls and fundraise. He just gets to coach. He just gets to do the part. He just gets to do the part that he loved. And um, so uh, that's why, uh, you know, I, Bob will never say never uh, about coaching. And again, in college, he, that's just not his style. He, he never outright denied anything when he's at OU, and I don't think he's going to do that uh, now. Um, I think that he's going to always sort of leave the door open. Um, but if but if I was guessing, I, I I wouldn't expect him to do anything other than if they try to bring the XFL back, or if there's some other spring pro, semi pro league sort of thing, um, you know, maybe he would look at that. But I I don't I I really just don't see him coaching college anymore, with the stipulation that you never know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. Now, actually, one of the funniest parts of the story to me was him talking about driving to the game and getting caught in game day traffic. Uh, you know, uh, can you can you tell tell listeners just a little bit about that? Yeah, well, um, that came from his wife Carol. Um, she was telling me about how you know on the first it was the first home game of the 2017 season, so Bob had barely been retired for three months. He was, uh, you know. N- just going to the game as a fan. It's the first Saturday he's gone to a college football game as a fan, you know, in, in a long time, long time. And so they, uh, they get in the car. Carol lets him drive, even though she doesn't think that's probably a good idea. She lets him drive and he's, he's a little bit lost. He's getting frustrated. He's doing that thing that we've all done in traffic, probably at least once or twice in our life, tried to turn down every side street, try to find a way around the traffic and Carol was not really correcting him because she didn't want, you know, she knew it was kind of a tough day for him. So she didn't want, um, you know, to nag him. But uh, eventually, you know, he, he turned again and turned again. And finally, she just said, you know, Bobby, you're going to have to sit in traffic. Like, eventually, you're going to have to sit in traffic. And his response was, where did all these people come from? Which is hilarious because the people were there to watch the monster that he himself had built. And I, I found that very funny. Right, right. You know, I mean, obviously, OU football has always, always been popular. But, you know, before that, I can remember what it was like coming to games back in the 90s when OU was struggling so badly. And it just the the atmosphere from one, you know, from that period to the next, just it doesn't even compare. So, uh, yeah, that that is that is really funny. Um, let's talk a little bit about what's been going on with the team. Um Lincoln Riley dropped a bombshell earlier this week when he named uh, Spencer Rattler the starting quarterback, right? 
yeah, no one saw that coming. <laughs> I mean, who who could who could have seen who could have seen that coming? Is there is there? I'm I'm trying to think. Is there a point at this at, at this juncture to doing this kind of oh we're announcing a starting quarterback thing? I mean, like, is there any what is there any rationale behind that? Because uh, on top of Rattler being uh, you know kind of an all world recruit. Uh, Tanner Mordecai, it sounds like, missed a whole bunch of the uh, preseason practices. Yeah, he did. I mean, Lincoln characterized it as 70 to 75 percent of the fall camp. Um, No, Tanner Mordecai wasn't, uh, or at least I didn't see him out there when they did the, the march. Uh, which, which you know, leads me to believe that there was a reason that he wasn't around the team at that time. Um, that I'm not going to say it, but it, it, everybody can probably put two and two together um, at this time. And uh, you know, he just wasn't around. He, he was hurt. He had some other things. He he just wasn't around. And the 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 bottom line is, look, I, I think Alan, you probably agree. Spencer Rattler was always going to be the starter. I mean, it was always pretty obvious. But if Tanner Mordecai was going to have a chance to uh, to challenge him to really push it, then he was going to need the spring and fall camp. I mean, what else do you need? You need practices to prove that you're better. And he didn't have the spring because of COVID, and he didn't have fall camp for a variety of reasons. It sounds like so. Um, you know, the, the it it sucks for him, but it's also sort of the result I think we all were expecting. I mean, uh. There, I, I haven't been surprised by an OU quarterback battle result since Trevor Knight beat up Blake Bell. I was that one actually surprised me because I thought Blake Bell was going to be the starter. But um, other than that, man, uh, these things are usually pretty pretty obvious. It was pretty obvious Baker Mayfield was going to be at Trevor Knight, Kyler Murray, Austin Kendall, Jalen Hurts, Tanner Mordecai, and then this one, especially when Rattler's the one who goes into the Peach Bowl. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Anyway. Absolutely. Well, um, you know, you mentioned, though, the demonstration uh, last week. How, I mean, how do you feel like Lincoln Riley is is handling everything that's kind of going on in the world right now in terms of, uh, you know, the uh, social justice, Black Lives Matter movement, uh, you know, demonstration protest? I mean, you know. Obviously, that's stirring up a lot of feelings for uh, athletes on the pro college level. I mean, your one of your colleagues there at the Athletic had a story just yesterday about how uh, Ed Orgeron is actually kind of struggling with getting the pulse of his team, which is something that nobody could imagine. I think uh, for a coach coming off a national championship, is how's Lincoln Riley handling it? Lincoln is a. I mean. <laughs> I think this word, this phrase probably gets tossed around a little bit too much. It's almost become a cliche players coach, but I think Lincoln is that that's what he is. He, he, he genuinely does have a finger on the pulse of his team. He knows what they need. And I think he knew that they, you know, they needed to do something. They, they needed to, uh, 
you know, make some, some sort of statement, uh, about what had happened to Jacob Blake. And so, um, and what, you know, what happened to George Floyd before that. And, and, you know, everybody knows all of the names. And so I, I, I think that, uh, you know, Lincoln decided this was a this was a way to address it and let his team sort of express themselves um, and uh, get some attention drawn to it. And so um, it was very it reminded me so much of what OU had done five years ago in the aftermath of SAE. I mean, they were all dressed in black. They were, um, you know, they marched uh, silently. This time is a little different because they went to the garden in the middle of the South Oval and Lincoln kind of gave a little talk, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, you know, you, the, these are, these are things that if you're going to be sort of a leader of these young men, uh, if you're going to be a leader of these college football rosters that are so prominently filled with with young black men uh you're gonna have to have some sort of reaction to this stuff i mean you you're just gonna have to it's not really sustainable to to put your head in the sand and pretend like this stuff doesn't exist when you're in those positions and what about covid i mean one of the things that i think may go kind of uh maybe under the radar with a lot of fans is uh this is stressful for the players, in my opinion. I, you know, I mean, you're kind of under a huge microscope when it comes to how you're living your life away from the field. And I mean, in this case, we're just talking, we're not talking about, are you getting in trouble? We're talking about just, are you hanging out with too many people in one one place in a confined area, that type of thing, you know? I mean, how do you think that the dynamic is working out with the team right now? Um. Well, I mean, they did so well for, for so long. Then, then they kind of slipped up a little bit, and I mean, it's just it's just so hard. It's so hard anywhere. You can have the most perfect plan to keep everyone safe from COVID, and it's and one guy goes to a party and it can screw the whole thing up. And so, um, uh, you know, I think Lincoln has handled it really well. Uh, I think to his credit, he's taken it really seriously. Uh, he's been very vocal about people, the need to wear masks. He's, um, he, he's followed the science. I, I think Lincoln has, um, you know, has, has handled this very well. Um, but even, even Lincoln who's handled it so well is still going to have positive cases and it's just going to be about how they navigate that this season. I mean, if you have an outbreak in your offensive line room, what are you going to do? Uh, I, I think, I mean, what are you going to do? Do you, I mean, is Perry and Winfrey going to play both ways? I mean, really, these are the, these are the things that they're going to have to figure out what they're going to do. If, if, a, if a large portion of a position group can't play. And so, um, that's, that's where I'm interested to see where this goes because OU is going to have positive tests this year. Uh, there, you know, there's just no, no way around it. It's probably going to happen. And, uh, I'll, I'll be interested to see how Lincoln handles it. Yeah, you know, one of the things that has been kind of discussed is what does it take to feel the team, you know, in the COVID era, if you if you do have an outbreak or how many, you know, kind of players you can miss. I mean, the idea of taking 53 players to a, a college football game, to me, is just crazy. Uh, but that seems that was one of the numbers that was kind of thrown yeah. around out there. I mean, yeah. you, know, you just think about what that means for a roster. Well, I mean, what... Well, because it can't just be 53 players that, you know, you can't, yeah. you can't replace three offensive linemen with three kickers and punters. I mean, it can't just be 
the number is important, but you, I mean, it has to be a certain number of certain guy of of, uh, of different positions, right? I mean, yeah, uh, it it can't just be fifty three players. I I don't know how they're going to manage it, man. I don't know. I'm glad I don't have to deal with that. Yeah, yeah. I just, uh, you know, do you think that uh, that they're feeling confident that they can get a full season in? I think so. I, it, they seem like they are. I mean, we're certainly now at this point. I think the uh, the the momentum is there. Where we're certainly going to have some football this season. Um, they're obviously going to play this game uh, here in a couple weeks against Missouri State, and then after that, I think so much of it's just going to depend on how you know how this stuff goes but i uh i'm not 100 percent sure the season's gonna get finished but but i mean i i think there's a chance yeah yeah and on top of that you just seem so dead set on making something happen you know i mean like there's a lot of uh institutional will you know across at least in the three major conferences that are playing you know to, to get it done so uh, I guess we'll just have to to wait and see. Uh, big questions that you're following with the team. Any, I mean, you know, COVID aside, what we're seeing on the field. Any uh, anything that you're going to be keeping a particularly close eye on? Well, I mean, I'm fascinated by the running back uh, situation now. Um, you know, we haven't talked uh, Kennedy Brooks oh, yeah, opting Kennedy out. Brooks, I mean, yeah. that 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 uh, is. I think that could be big. I mean, they've got a good, they've got an offensive line. I'll say this, that Bill Beatonbow is, is talking up his offensive line. And if he's doing it, that must mean he thinks they're pretty good. Cause I, I, uh, I said this on Twitter a couple weeks ago, but, uh, Bill, Bill Beatonbow doesn't BS us. Him and Alex Grinch are the two coaches who don't play games like that. And so if Bill is saying that he thinks they're good, they must be pretty good. So that that would I think make me feel a little better about the running back situation, but still, you lose a two time thousand yard back. You already uh, lost Trey Sermon, and you don't have Ramondre Stevenson for the first handful of games. Uh, so uh, I I have heard some pretty positive things about Seth McGowan out of camp. I think that uh, he's going to have a shot. I think Marcus Major was making some noise last year um before his uh before his shoulder injury so they've got talent in that room but uh you know kennedy brooks is a proven commodity so um I, i'll be very interested to see how that goes ah uh, yeah you, you uh you had the big scoop there on kennedy brooks opting out are you hearing any rumblings about other guys who may decide to uh sit it out I haven't heard any – Brooks is the only name that I've heard. Um, and uh, unfortunately, Lincoln Riley has already told us that he will not be commenting or confirming any opt-outs. So I don't even know how we're going to keep track of that unless we get tipped off the way that I did with Kennedy Brooks because uh, they did remove Kennedy from the online roster. I guess we just need to keep our eye on the roster because um, Lincoln – uh, made it pretty clear that he's not going to be discussing anybody who opts out, which, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Any rumblings that I've heard, I, you know, have yet to come to pass. So uh, it feels like at this point they'd probably have already – they probably have made, would have made up their mind um, if they were going to go forward. You, you would think so, but, I mean, Jamie Newman just opted out yesterday. Yeah, so, that's a good point. You know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um so let's see here. Anything else kind of going, anything else percolating out there? Um, oh, yeah, Alex Grinch, how's he feeling about the defense? 
I mean, I think, uh, you know, going into year two, they have a year under their belt. I think that, that, uh, certainly helps, but you know, they, they still, I think have some questions. I mean, obviously, uh, they, they lose a lot of key players from last year. Basically anyone who's ever played nose guard is gone. Kenneth Murray's gone. Caleb Kelly is now gone, or at least for this year gone. Um, and you know, the secondary, uh, last year depth was a real problem. So I think the depth is going to be better back there. Um, We've talked about this before. I think you and I, uh, the turnover situation. You can't, you can't spend. I mean, look, I like Alex Grinch a lot, and but but even he said this. Uh, he he has said basically what I'm about to say. He spent months and months and months telling us takeaways were everything, and they didn't get any takeaways, um, or they got the same awful number that they had the year before. So. He knows that they're going to have to be better about that, and I kind of think they will be because um, they had a lot of opportunities. There were a lot of balls that fell out of their hands last year, so uh, I, I kind of feel like there's a good chance they'll be better in that regard. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I think he's feeling okay about it. Yeah, you know, I went back and did some research on their kind of conversion rate in terms of how many passes they were breaking up and how many fumbles there were out there that they weren't recovering. And that's kind of just a, a statistically, it's kind of a matter of luck in a certain sense. And luck broke really poorly against them last year. So, uh, you know, you also wonder too, if maybe just a year of coaching them up, you know, with different voices out there with him and Roy Manning, uh, you know, in the secondary would uh, maybe technique wise or something that they're looking at, uh, hopefully get help them uh, kind of improve there because it was just so bad last season. Um, Turnover-wise, that is. Um, well, uh, Jason, why don't you let everybody know where uh, they can find you? Yeah, just on theathletic.com. Um, you know, we're always running promos. I think there's a seven-day free trial uh, right now. I, you know, encourage anyone to check us out. Um and, uh, and I'm on Twitter, uh, just my name, Jason Kersey. Yeah. Oh, one other question. So yeah. during the off season, since uh, since March, have you been rooting for or against uh, football? Well, I'm a as a member of the Marxist Socialist Sports Journalists Association. I'm firmly against football. Uh, at least that's what I've been told. So now, of course, I'm not against football. I'm very for football. Um, I'm desperate for there to be football. Um, so I, I never understood how I kind of got lumped into the group of people rooting against football. No sports writers are rooting against football. That's crazy. Yeah, I know. You're rooting <laughs> against your own profession, your your own job. Well, okay. Yeah. There's Anyways. a difference between me saying, hey, guys, please wear masks and socially distance so we can have football. I don't know how you get from that. He's rooting against football. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Well, uh, <laughs> hey, Jason, you know, I've had you been having you on the uh, podcast for a long time, but, uh, you know, I'm really happy for you because uh, the the storytelling, the quality of the storytelling you're, you're able to do with the athletic and everything. I mean, it's been uh, you, you've, you know, really kind of evolved and taken it up a few notches over time. And, uh, it's really been fun to watch. So, I, uh, you know, I appreciate you coming on the show, man, and, and talking with us about, uh, what's been going on with the team. Well, thanks so much, Alan. Thanks for the kind words and, and, and for having me on all these years. I appreciate it.
Awesome. Well, thank you, man. Uh, thanks to Jason Kersey, uh, Oklahoma beat writer with The Athletic. Check out his uh, new story there on uh, Bob Stoops living his best life in retirement. If you're not signed up for The Athletic, uh, I'd highly recommend you uh, rectify that because uh, they do such great work over there. They've got a great team of journalists and also uh, you know the product, the way that uh, they produce everything. I mean, it's, it's top notch. So highly recommend that. Um, but thanks again to Jason for joining us and thanks to you all for joining us too, uh, for the Boynton Hoverson podcast. I'm Alan Kenny. Take it easy.